Our Old Testament lesson this morning actually comes from the book of Joshua. And uh, this is Joshua chapter 4, verses 19 through 24. And uh, this is a moment in the history of Israel where it's important to mark what God has been doing so they don't forget. God is always at work doing things, and we are very forgetful people. And you can watch, just looking through the Bible at the theme of forgetfulness is fascinating. And you watch the way that God will do something, and then immediately after that, the people forget that, you know, God is doing anything. And so you look, especially like in the book of Exodus, and God is, um, provides a way out of slavery in Egypt. And as soon as he does, the people are whining. He provides a way across the Red Sea, and as soon as he does, the people are are whining and as though they forget that he is the God who will provide, who is watching out for them and who is taking care of them. And uh, forgetful. <laughs> anyway, and so for this reason, uh, there are also uh, these themes of what we do to remember. Speaking of which, I mentioned earlier that uh, the session is looking over ways in which we can gather together again. We're also looking at ways to be able to celebrate communion again and how, that, how we can do that um, in, in this time. So, because uh, that is something that God has given to us to remember that Jesus is at the center of everything that we do. Um, and so we do look forward to being able to do that again. I don't have a timeline on that, but uh, that is something that we are, uh, we are looking at very seriously. But for now, let's take a look at Joshua chapter 4, starting in... Uh, verse 19, and going through verse 24. Before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. God, we thank you for your word, which you have given to us. We ask that you would open our eyes, that you would open our ears, that you would open our hearts. Or that we would not hear what we want to hear, but we would hear what you want us to hear. God, we pray that through by your word and by your spirit that you would change us, continue to change us, continue the work that you're doing in us and through us. God, that you would continue to make us and change us into the people that you've created us to be in relationship with you through Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Joshua chapter 4, starting in verse 19. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Turning then to 1 Peter, as we have been uh, reading through this book each week uh, bit by bit, this is 1 Peter chapter 3, verses, starting in verse 19 and going on through chapter 4, verse 2. And we had ended with uh, Christ dying for us. And not only dying, but also rising again, alive in the Spirit. 
And then, verse 19, he picks it up and says, After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah, while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, moving forward here. Um, when we come to our sermon passage for today, it starts in such a great way. The opening line of the sermon passage for today, this is John 14, verses 1 through 14. In John 14, 1, he actually begins by saying, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. That's, that's a pretty good way to start. It's a pretty good opening line, especially in uh, the situation that we have been in for some time. You may have, uh, you may have noticed the, uh, the temptation to have a troubled heart <laughs> or just the condition of having a troubled heart. And, uh, and so the, the word that we open with this morning is Jesus saying, do not let your hearts be troubled. But of course, um, this is a word that he is speaking first and foremost to his disciples the night before he dies. And that seems a little weird because Jesus actually was in a position that John has already told us that he was deeply troubled. That that is what has been um, when going on, <laughs> what has been going on when he's talking about uh, Judas who is going to betray him. And so, um, let's see if I've got, oh, I didn't mark it. Uh, verse 21 of chapter 13. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, very truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. And so this is where we are picking up the story. This is the, the night before Jesus goes to the cross. And he knows he's going. He knows he's going to betray him. He knows how all that's going to be playing out. And he's troubled by that. And yet it's even in the midst of his own being troubled that he turns to his disciples who have no idea what's going on. <laughs> they don't know he's going to the cross. He's been trying to tell them these things. They don't get it. And he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And then the rest of this passage is going to be explaining why not? Why should they not be letting their hearts be troubled? How is it that Jesus is going to answer what may be uh, troubling their hearts? So here we go. This is John chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. All right. Clearly, it sounds like the end of that passage, if you take just that one verse by itself, uh, if you, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it, that this is just a, uh, the Jesus like the genie that comes out of the bottle. says, <laughs> you know, all right, you got me at, at your disposal, so ask whatever you wish. And there you go. I will grant it. Um, and that is definitely what it sounds like if you take this passage, or that verse, out of this context. So let's go back and look at the whole context and specifically at the center point of all this. What is it that Jesus is saying to his disciples? How do we make sense of verses like that? And how then does all of this keep the disciples' hearts from being troubled? How does this keep our hearts from being troubled? And uh, the way that we look at this, we're going to look at it in kind of, four words that uh, link this whole thing together. It's fascinating the way that it works. Uh, We're going to look at place, to know, to see, and to do. So those are the four. I don't know why I used my thumb there. (laughs) Place, uh, then to know, to see, and to do. Here we go. Um, By the way, I will tell you the way that John writes his gospel. It is like he just goes around and around in circles hitting the same themes all the way through, except he's not just circling around. What he's doing, it's like a spiral staircase where every time he comes back around to the same theme, he's gone up another level, up another level, up another level. And so you feel like you're just going around and around in circles, and yet you're just going higher and higher, or maybe deeper and deeper uh, into uh, what all these things mean. And so in chapter 1, he introduces all these concepts of the word becoming flesh and of, of light and uh, darkness and all these things. And you continue through the book and it just keeps coming up again and again and again. But every time it's like, oh, maybe, you know, understand it better every time we get there. This particular passage is also one of those where it, it makes sense the first time you read it, but also every time you read the whole Gospel of John, it's like it goes deeper and deeper. And this is one of those passages that it just seems there's so much here that's so rich, it's so um, beautifully um, put together with what Jesus is telling his disciples this night before he goes to the cross, that it is, it's worth spending, spending some time with this one. Um, so I'm going to preach on this for a little bit, but I, I do hope that when I finish uh, this morning, that you're not finished with this passage, but that you continue to go over this again and again. Um, I do think it will be richer Every time you do. So, but we're going to just touch on a few things in here. And again, with those four words, place, know, see, and do. 
And the, and the reason why we're going to use those words is because those are the words that show up in each of kind of the four sections in this particular passage. So we have the first section, we have place. And so you have uh, this, my father's house has many rooms, right? So you got, that's what Jesus is talking about. And that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I prepare a place, um, you know, I'm going to come back and take you to be with me. And, um, and you know the place, uh, the way to the place where I'm going. So Jesus keeps this place, this place, this place. And then you read through the whole rest of the section and he doesn't talk about place anymore. So this is why we're looking at place up front. And what is interesting though, is as Jesus talks about this place, the reason that he's talking about this is because he's getting ready to go away. And he's going away and it's grieving the disciples' hearts. This is why their hearts are troubled. It's because if Jesus goes away, does that mean there's nothing for us? Does that mean we've been following him in vain all these years and now he's just leaving and we are abandoned and it's over and that's done? And Jesus is like, no, 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 you don't get it. I am going away, yes, but I'm going away for your good. And so this is like the idea of somebody who is leaving because, uh, look, we're moving, kids, and so we're going to, I got to go and I'm going to get the house and we're going to get it all set up and get it ready. And then I'm going to come back. And then, you know, while you're still finishing out the school year, and then we're going to all go together and we're going to live there in this, in this new place. And so I got to go get that ready. It does not mean I'm leaving you or abandoning you in any way. I'm actually going now ahead of you for your good. This is what Jesus is talking about uh, with this idea of place. Um, But Something to keep in mind here is while there is a focus on place, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, somewhere entirely different than here. This is a, uh, one of those concepts that I think it's in the Heaven and Earth video by Bible Project where they say, you know, the, the union of heaven and earth is what the whole Bible is about. That's what the whole story is about, is this union of heaven and earth. And you see this, uh, other people have talked about how... Uh, this idea of heaven or whatever is talked about in terms of a place and a people and the presence of God. Three P's, isn't that fun? Place, uh, people, and a presence. And so you look at that even from all the way back to the Garden of Eden, and that's what you have, is God has uh, set up this particular place for his people to be with him. And now you look at this part right here, and Jesus is saying to his people, his disciples, I'm going to prepare a place for you to be with me. I mean, that's what he says. It's, uh, I will come back and take you to be with me. Uh, Why? That you also may be where I am. The whole purpose of Jesus going away is not to abandon, but actually to bring him together. But it's the uniting of heaven and earth in the person of Jesus. This goes back actually to something we saw earlier in John, where uh, you remember uh, Nathaniel? And Jesus says, hey, I saw you under the fig tree. He's like, oh, it's amazing. And Jesus is like, please, you're going to see more amazing things than that. You'll see the, uh, the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And you're like, well, that's, that's weird, Jesus, to talk about yourself like a ladder. But that's exactly what he's doing. It's like he is the ladder uh, that Jacob dreamed about, this stairway to heaven uh, so to speak. And if you started singing the song in your head, I'm sorry for saying it that way. But anyway, uh, this is the angels ascending and ascending that Jacob had this vision of um, way back in Genesis. But it's this meeting place 
of heaven and earth. And Jesus says, I'm that meeting place of heaven and earth. And so it is, I am the way that God comes to people and that people come to God. It's through me. So that's what this first section sounds like. And then he actually says with this kind of connecting word, you know the way. (laughs) You know the way to the place. So he's already been talking about place, place, place. And he's like, you know the way. And of course, then we get these disciples who don't quite get it. And so Thomas just says right away, no, we don't. <laughs> you said we know the way. We don't know the way. We don't even know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's that same idea. Jesus is the place where uh, he is the place where heaven and uh, earth meet. He is the way that people come to the Father. He is uh, the truth, and he is the life. Um, on, and we don't have time to go into all of that, but let me tell you, there's a uh, wonderful book by Eugene Peterson called The Jesus Way, a conversation on the ways that Jesus is the way. <laughs> and, um, and so one of the lines in here, he just says, the, the Jesus way, wedded to the Jesus truth, brings about the Jesus life. And of course, the Jesus life is resurrection life. It is the new life. Well, how do you get the new life? How do you get this resurrection life? Well, it's the Jesus way, and it's the Jesus truth, and that's what brings about the Jesus uh, life. And so, um, and so Jesus starts talking about the truth. What is this truth? <laughs> and he says... Well, if you really know, or if you, yeah, if you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And so he's, this is that word know. Uh, So we talked about place. Now in the idea of knowing, Jesus is like, what you're going to know is the truth. And the truth is that the father and I are one. This is where we've gotten, once again, another one of those I am statements that John gives us. I was saying that song earlier. Uh, that in John, there are seven places where Jesus says, I am, period. And there are seven places where he says, I am, dot, dot, dot. And right here is one of them. I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus is. And there are all kinds of other ways that we can follow. But they aren't true ways, and they don't lead to life. This is one of the things that you see uh, again and again and again throughout the Old Testament prophets is this, you know, how can you be following these idols? How can you not look and say, is this thing in my right hand not a lie? It's a lie. This thing isn't alive. This thing doesn't bring life. This thing doesn't lead to life. And all it does is encourages me on my own way. That's not the way of life. It's not uh, the way of God. And it's not the way of truth. Jesus is the way of truth. Jesus, Jesus is the way uh, of life. And so he, um, he talks about in the Sermon on the Mount how there's a broad road and the narrow road, right? It, and um, it's the narrow way that leads to life, and only a few find it. And what he's saying here is, you want to know what that way is? It's Jesus. He is the way. He's the way uh, that God comes to people. He's the way that people come to God. And I know that it sounds narrow, and Jesus agrees. It is 
narrow. But it's still the truth. (laughs) And it is the way that God comes to us. And so if we reject the way that God comes to us, what other way is there? And this is why Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. This uh, word way is also fascinating, the way that's used in Greek and English both to mean both kind of a road or a path, but also the way in which you walk along the road or the path. (laughs) And so that is one of the things that is explored in Eugene Peterson's book is, you know, the conversation on the ways that Jesus is the way. It says, how do we follow Jesus? So if you are someone who is saying, yeah, no, I get it. Jesus is the way, and so I'm going to follow him, but then you want to do it differently than how he calls you to follow? That's not the Jesus way. And so uh, that's what he kind of goes back to again and again is how easy it is to um, deceive ourselves. And instead of following the truth, uh, instead of following the Jesus way, we kind of give lip service to that and still continue to follow the lies of the world and continue to follow in our own way. Doesn't lead to life. And so this is where he you know, pushes back against our usual tendencies and temptations and says, no, it's Jesus. It's Jesus, it's Jesus. It's his way, and it's his um, truth, and that is what leads to the real life. So this is what uh, Jesus answers to Thomas. Thomas is very practical and says, yeah, we know you're going away, but we don't know where you're going. We don't know the way. And Jesus says, you do know it. It's me. (laughs) You know it. (laughs) It's me. And then he gives us another linking word here when he says, you do talking about the father. He says, you do know him and have seen him. And then Philip speaks up because of course they haven't seen the father. In fact, nobody can see the father. That's one of the things we learn all through the Old Testament. You can't see God and live. Moses on the mountain, show me your glory. And God's like, I'll put my hand over you and you can see kind of the backside as I walk past, but you can't see my face. Uh, you cannot see me and live. And then Jesus says to the disciples, oh yeah, you've seen him. You've seen the Father. He says, no, we haven't. No, we haven't. <clears throat> and so he says, all right, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. You show us God the Father. That's all we're asking for. And Jesus, at this point, it's almost like, what else could you have said to further break Jesus' heart in this moment? (laughs) When the people who have been walking with him and seeing everything he's done and heard everything he's taught about the things he's done for three years, and then they turn to him and they say, we haven't seen the Father. And it's like, Jesus, what else do you think I've been showing you? Of course you've seen the Father. You've seen the Father in everything that I have done. You have seen the Father in everything that I have said. That's what it's all been about, is revealing to you who God really is. This is God's heart for his people. This, the, the things that I do, I do because it's what the Father has given me to do. I've said that like a million times. Um, when, and then even the things that I have done. You've seen it. And so he says, you know, don't you know me, Philip? This is uh, 
verse 9. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Again, Jesus is the way of people to God, but also of God to people. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. This is the section on seeing. Seeing who Jesus really is. So we know that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. We know that he's the Father. But Jesus says, but you've seen it too. You have seen the things that I've done. This is, again, why we sing, open my eyes that I may see. I think too many of us follow um, or try to follow Jesus with our eyes firmly shut, not seeing who he really is, but trying to use him just like the idols of old. And just like the disciples didn't see him, even though he was right there, we do the same. But Jesus says, don't you know me? Even after I've been among you such a long time. Anyway, he gets down to verse 11. Uh, no, verse 10. Where he says, rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. And this is the final section. I'm doing. I'm doing. What is it that Jesus has been doing? What is it that we are to be doing? And so, verse 11. Believe in me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. That's what I was saying. What Jesus has been doing the whole way through is revealing the Father. So look, look at the works I've been doing. I feed people bread in the wilderness, you know, like God did in Exodus. You know, all the way through, the things that Jesus is doing is exactly what God does. So believe me when I say it, but at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son, and you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. And here again, we get to the end of uh, the passage, which is kind of where we began. So if you take this passage out of context, it sounds like Jesus is this genie who just grants every wish. But now that we're looking at it in context, I hope you see that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is if you are following me as the way, if you are believing in me as the truth, if you are living life with me, the true resurrection life, and what you are wanting more than anything else is to continue along that way, then the things that you are going to be praying for, the things that you are going to be asking for, you will actually be asking in my name which is not the same thing as using my name as a magic word or as a secret password to get what you want. Instead, it is actually living my life in you, or my life is in you, uh, guiding even the things that you are seeking and wanting. And so what he's saying is, if, if that's what you are after, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. This is, I was quoting Jesus, by the way, from the Sermon on the Mount. This is the same thing he's saying here. I'm not a genie. 
what I do want for you is for you to want the things uh, that lead to life, the things that lead to this uh, union of heaven and earth, that you long to be in my place with my people and together with me. That's what I want for you. That's what I hope that you want as well. And so that is what I have been doing, is showing you these things. You're going to do those things too. Now we're going to transition uh, starting next week as Jesus starts talking a lot more about the Holy Spirit because that's where this, uh, the power to do these kind of things comes from. Um, but for now, I think it's enough for us to reflect on uh, Jesus being the way and the truth and the life. What it looks like for Jesus to be the one who is providing that place for his people where they can be together. God with, uh, God with us, us with God, all in the person of Jesus. He's telling his disciples this the night before he goes to the cross so that their hearts won't be troubled, that they will truly believe that he is the Father, uh, that, he is, well, that he is the revelation of the Father to us in the person of Jesus, that he is the way and the truth and the life and that uh, he is the word made flesh. Um, this is going to come to us in our different places in different ways today. But as I said at the beginning, I hope this isn't the end of your reflecting on this passage. This is worth sitting with. This is worth thinking on. This is worth uh, holding it up to your own life. And as we each reflect on the ways that we are following Jesus or the ways that we are following the world. But hopefully, uh, we will see again the need and the centrality of Jesus in everything, our lives included. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. God, we do thank you for creating everything. The whole earth is yours and everything in it. We thank you for creating us, the life you give, and more than that, uh, the way that you redeem our lives to give us new life that is, uh, the real life with you forever. Lord, help us to follow Jesus truly in his way. Lord, help us to quickly recognize when we get off that way or that we would quickly repent and get back on. Or knowing that you are always um, here to help us with exactly that. Lord, we pray that in everything we would be seeking uh, the glory of your name, that we would be seeking to follow uh, in the way of Jesus, listening for the truth of Jesus, experiencing the life of Jesus, 
as we seek the life with you. Lord, pray this in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.